Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I got to tell you, I am super, super excited for this episode. Um, Rich Fecky is actually one of my favorite humans in the world. And I don't say that lightly. <laughs> um, I just from the time that I met Rich and Kathy and you know, we've spent so many amazing uh, trips and conferences and all of that together, but also just, you know, dinners and times hanging out. And these two, uh, I had Kathy on, you know, a few weeks back and, and just every time that I've had a chance to spend any amount of time with Rich and Kathy, I'm just so inspired and so uplifted. And they are the most generous, um, compassionate, inspiring humans, literally. And I don't say that uh, you know, on every episode, I honestly mean that. So I've been super excited to have, um, rich on the show. Rich has a new book that, um, is getting ready to come out. The ebook version is available. Um, I got my hands on this early and he asked me to just take a peek at it. And I'll tell you what, um, I was, I was busy. So I read the first couple chapters and then I set it down for a week. And when I picked it back up, I just tore through that book. And I actually think that, uh, the book that rich wrote is probably, you know, one of the greatest types and shadows of, you know, probably a lot of you that are listening right now and just the journey that I think a lot of us experience when we're going through the transition or the awakening that we have when we, when we realize that what we've been taught and the way that we've been programmed in life isn't necessarily um, the way that we have to continue on. And the way that this book was written, you got to get your hands on this book. It's called The Wise Investor. Um, and then what's even cooler, like I've had the chance to talk to Rich about it and a lot of it was modeled after some of the things that they've done in their businesses and the way that they teach investors and, you know, people that are um, up and coming and want to understand investing and, and money mindset and all of that. And so, you know, after all that being said, you can see why I'm such a fan uh, of, of Rich Fetke. And, you know, a lot of times Rich is the guy that's kind of, you know, behind the scenes, he's being quiet and, and uh, you know, when it's like EF Hutton, when, when Rich Fetke speaks, people listen and, and, and I'm one of those. So Rich, thank you for being on the show. Thanks. Uh, I love being here, man. This is great. And wow, dude, you are articulate. <laughs> That's what I'm going to label you as. <laughs> the way you put things together, it just, I really love it. And uh, Kathy and I feel the same about you and Kara. Just, man, really good humans and some of our favorite humans in the world. Well, I thank you and and, uh, and appreciate it. And I meant every word of it. I'm, I'm really excited for where the show goes today. So let's jump into the four questions. Uh, I'm going to mix it up on you a little bit. Um, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? My wife, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy has been, um, helps me. She believes in me more than I believe in myself. Um, and I believe in her more than she believes in herself. So it's been this incredible, uh, support of, um, kind of pushing each other in a positive way. Uh, and then just, she sees things in a different way as an investor, uh, as a business owner. Um, she's just such a visionary and a creator, um, that a lot of times I'm more of the kind of like the, the system guy I'll come in and, and she'll say, this is my idea and I'll, I'll create a system and turn it into that. And I'll hire the right people to make it happen. And, and, um, my focus is leadership. So it's about leading those people. So it comes back to her. So good. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, does that tie into question number one, who's had the greatest impact on your life or is that someone different? Um, yeah, that would be it. So it's Kathy's the person who's had the greatest impact on my life. And then as far as like what, like what event in my life, would you say is, is that the question? Um, so if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? I see just uh, me personally. Um, really it comes down to focus discipline, learning that. Um, I was diagnosed learning disabled when I was a kid. I was put in the classes for the learning disabled kids. So I had this gremlin and this inner voice saying, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. Um, I mean, got made fun of for going to those classes because I had to. I didn't even graduate with my high school class I because I failed English. I had to go back and uh, go to summer school. So I it, all all through high school and everything, that was my talk. And then I started to get into um, bodybuilding because a kid was bullying me in high school. So I started to lift weights and do martial arts. And that taught me, um, bodybuilding taught me um, setting goals, visualizing what I wanted to look like, what I wanted to feel like, um, being disciplined, staying focused. And I started to carry that over to my educational goals and that focus and discipline and structure uh, going from being in uh, the learning disabled is called hyperkinetic back then. Today it's ADHD. Mm. Um, but I was, you know, I was a long, I'm old. So, <laughs> so many years ago, they didn't have ADHD, um, but I was on Ritalin and all that. So, um, so that, that's what had the biggest impact. So I think it was, uh, honest, honestly, I'm going to say bodybuilding and weightlifting and training mm. taught me discipline and focus, uh, and goal setting. And that was a game changer for me. You know, you're, you're probably going to be shocked when I say this, but I've thought about you, um, many times when I'm out just, you know, paddle boarding or, you know, in the, just out in the, out in the open, and I've often wondered, cause you're, 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 a, you're a guy that's in good shape and you take care of yourself. And I've often thought this, you're, you're probably like, Mike, why the heck are you spending so much time thinking about me? But I've often wondered, like, do you still like, are you on a, like a regular workout routine or is it because you're just so active that you stay in good shape or both? Um, it's both. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I like to play myself fit <laughs> as as the mentor says in the story. Right. <laughs> so it carries over. Um, it's just, yeah, play, play yourself fit. So I, I get outside as much as I can to surf, to rock climb, to mountain bike, to ski, uh, to hike and all that stuff. And I still get in, you know, three or four days a week, uh, with weights and body weight training and push ups and pull ups and, um, real funky, weird stuff, like doing stuff on the rings and all that. So, yeah. So thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're just such an active person. And I, you know, I mean, even just watching the way that you and Kathy live and, you know, Kara went to Kathy's mastermind recently and she was talking about, you know, just some of the things that you guys did. And, and then again, reading the book too, and knowing that that's kind of modeled after your life. I've just often, I have a brother-in-law that stays in pretty good shape and he never goes to the gym, but he's just mm -hmm. really active. Right. And he's always, I shouldn't say never, but um, so I've, I've often wondered like, cause I don't really love the gym. Um, yeah, and I do I love, either. yeah, I do love, well, I don't know a lot of people, sometimes in my mind, I think people love it, but, um, some people do. Yeah. Yeah. But I've just, you know, when I see somebody that's got such an active lifestyle like yours, it makes me think, cause as I'm getting older, like I really need to make health a priority. It hasn't been in times past. And, and I think that's the method for me that I really need to adopt is how do I go out and do something that I love and enjoy and simultaneously stay active. Now that doesn't mean I probably don't need to go lift some weights and, <laughs> you know, do some exercise, but that's why I asked the question because I'm always curious. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's finding things that are fun to do that. And, and you have to strategically think about like, um, you know, if just going out and running is good and it's going to have you be in better shape, but it's you're not going to develop strength and your bone density is going to decrease and you're going to lose muscle mass, um, which we do after we're 18. We start to lose muscle mass every year unless we're doing strength training. So you have to look at that and say, OK, what activity can I do that's also going to give me strength and strength in my body? So whether that's calisthenics or like for me, it's rock climbing. It's really good for the upper body and lower body. Uh, so it's, it's finding something, you know, like you wakeboard. Right. So it's that's incredible. It's good for your core. It's good for your, your back and your arms and your, so yeah, finding things like that, that are going to hit your total body. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, um, I don't know if you're familiar with GoBundance and, and the M1 crowd, but one of the things that Rock Thomas always taught is, you know, being a whole life millionaire. And that's one of the things that has okay. always inspired me about, you know, the way that, that you and Kathy live life is, you know, it's not just, you guys have built a very successful business and community and, and, uh, but you also enjoy, I love how you opened it up. I mean, she, she encourages you and challenges you to be better and vice versa. And I always admire when I see couples like you that are, you know, succeeding in business, you're succeeding in health, you're succeeding as a relationship, you're succeeding as your friends. Um, I think that's, what's really important, right? It's huge. Yeah. I think your, your life partner is the most important person in your life. Honestly, well, for me, I'll speak for me personally. And I, I think it's probably for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's, it's huge. It's lifting each other up and pushing each other along and being there. And, and I, I, it takes a lot of work. Kathy and I have been married 25 years. I, I think you and Kara, but what, 24 or 23? 24. Yeah. 24 years. Yeah. So we're in the, about in the same boat. So, uh, it takes work. It takes communication. Kathy and I are constantly working on a relationship. Um, just a couple of nights ago, we had out our couples connect cards where you ask each other questions. We had our marriage journal out. So it's just, and we've done like Tantra coaching. We've, um, we still have a marriage counselor that we, we check in with once a month just to make sure the communication's there and, and it's working. Gosh, every time you say something, it's like, I, I, so when, I, you bring up such a valid point. Like you're, you're, you guys are doing well, yet you have a marriage counselor and you check in. And I think, you know, Karen, and I have the couples mastermind and, and we've talked about all of this. Like I'm not opposed to, I'm surprised sometimes when people don't have a coach or they don't want to get better because they think they're okay. And then you hear people like you that, you know, it's not like you're perfect. I'm, I'm not putting you on a pedestal yeah. and saying, you know, yeah. Rich and Kathy are perfect, <laughs> but the reality is like, I love what you said about you still have a monthly counseling session. And I think some people think that I was literally having a conversation with a guy that I coach in business. And I told him, I said, I think, I think maybe you guys should go see a counselor. And, mm. and he, he was, he was kind of set back by it because, you know, in his mind, he thought I was thinking that they were having major, you know, on the verge of divorce or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it isn't about wrong. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not always about that. It's like, how do we get better and further and deeper? So I get inspired when I hear, you know, you say that you guys have a counseling session once a month. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, or like a relationship coach really, you know, and as you know, I've been into coaching for years, you know, since 1995, I started coaching and had, have had my own coach. So I know that it's just about getting better. How can I be a better version of me and how can our relationship be a better version of what it is? Yeah. So good. I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? I would say the biggie for me was um, I was 37 years old 
and I was on the top of my game. I just signed a book deal with Simon and Schuster. I was giving keynotes around the country. My coaching practice was thriving. Uh, and then I was diagnosed with melanoma. And then I was told I had six months to live. And that was like, I used to just think I was invincible, you know, and I had this, I just didn't believe I was ever going to die. I think for some reason, it was this weird immortal thing. And that really rocked my world. We had a 10 year old daughter, a three year old daughter, uh, and Kathy was a stay at home mom. So that, that really had a huge impact on both of our lives. And that was the turning point that got in, got us into real estate investing because Kathy was like, what am I going to do? A fridge is gone in six months. What am I going to do for an income? And she had this small radio show in San Francisco. It was like a more of a hobby was focused on coaching. And she started to interview people on that show to find out how they created financial abundance. Mm. And no surprise to us, right? It was most of them were real estate investors. And so she came home all excited and she's like, I found it. I know what we can do. I know what I can do for an income. And, you know, she didn't believe I was going to die. She's like, no, freckles not going to kill rich. <laughs> but it was, uh, that was the impetus for her to find mentors and learn about real estate investing. And then once I was healed and I had some surgeries and everything was good, uh, it was a misdiagnosis that the, the six months they thought it had spread to my liver, but it actually had not spread to my liver, the cancer. So, um, after several scans and three months of not knowing that's when we got the news that I was cancer free, but that's what led us on the path of real estate investing. And it's changed our life. You know, I'm curious. And I was thinking about this earlier when I was, um, you know, just kind of processing where we would go. And I don't spend a lot of time pre-thinking, but for whatever reason, I was just going through my brain with, with you. And I'm really curious. It's probably just because where I'm at in life, I'm curious after that experience, you know, what, what kind of maybe different habits or, and not necessarily just even health, but just thinking about, I think a lot of people that are moving through life don't spend enough time thinking about, you know, um, I guess planning around it, whether it's life insurance or, you know, I mean, even the passwords, I've been talking with Kara recently about, mm. you know, getting on last pass for families. Cause you know, you just don't think about a lot of that stuff again, because we think we're invincible. And so I'm just curious what, you know, habits and processes and things you and Kathy have implemented, um, that you've kind of stayed on top of the, that, you know, if something did happen, is there any, yeah, I know that's a great point. Um, I mean, you know, I'm a adventure athlete, a little obsessed with it. And, uh, so I kind of set myself up knowing that both, um, with the climbing I do and the skiing and the skydiving and all this stuff. So it's like, I know, I know it's, it's risky, you know, I, I do them as safe as possible. Um, but yeah, so I am set up with that. I have one, one master password. I, I use one password and I've Kathy's got my login for that. So she can access all that. Uh, we have a trust which I think is really important. I've seen people go through really brutal stuff when they only have a will and they end up going to probate. So we have a very clear trust set up. So on that side of things, yeah. Um, on the other side of things, there was, there was almost like, it was, con it was confirming in how I was living because when I was told that I had six months to live, I remember uh, through tears talking to Kathy and saying, you know, I'm so glad that I took the time to live. I'm so glad that I had a coach that was calling me out and saying, you know, what days will you take off to be with your family? Mm. Um, and that I didn't just work, you know, think I was invincible and that I was going to work forever. So there was, there was something in there where there's a gratefulness piece about 
oh, I'm so glad that I've lived my life and I can actually go out and I'm going to miss my daughter's getting married and grandkids and all that stuff. But I know that the life I lived was good. So on that side of things, on the other side of it, uh, after getting, you know, being scared, you know, just being so scared and worrying about it and, and worrying about dying now afterwards, like nothing else gets me, you know, it doesn't get me on the level it used to. So, um, we have a financial loss. We invest in something. We invested in this project in Nicaragua and the developer skipped town and we lost all our money. Mm. And it was our IRA that we directed into it and stuff. And it's like something like that it, in the past that would have been really driven me crazy. And I would have wanted revenge and just pin pissed. And it's just like, you know, just money. I'm alive. <laughs> I get to be with the people I love, you know? So it's like anything that tries to hook me. Um, it just, I have a different response to it now. And it's just like, you know, I'm alive. Yeah, that, you know, that explains a lot. Cause honestly, I think one of the reasons why I love being around you so much is when you're there, you're there. Uh, that's mm. one thing that I've really noticed about you and, and Kathy as well, but you specifically, like, I feel like I'm the only person in the world when, when I'm with mm. you and I've, you know, I, I think we resonate a lot when it comes to family and time and travel and, you know, the things that really matter in life. Um, well, travel's one for me. I don't know if, if no, it, it is. is yeah, um, <laughs> all that. It's good stuff. <laughs> but also, like, I love the one thing that I've really watched you. Um, <laughs> and again, it's almost like I'm, I, I have kind of a man crush. Are on you me. my stalker? Yeah, I am. I totally am. Right. But, you know, I've looked up to you, and I don't know that I've ever told you this, but I've really looked up to you from a lot of mm. that perspective. And it, it, it makes sense, um, you know, going through and, and how, how that has happened. Um, but I, I really admire that you're, you're present. I mean, anytime we've ever been at dinner or we're talking like I you're, you're there, it's not like you're looking for somebody else in the room or you're looking at your phone or whatever. And mm. so that makes a lot of sense, you know, coming after an experience like that, how that has, has changed you. And, you know, I, I don't want to have an experience like that, um, you know, in order, um, for, for me to be more present and cognizant. And so I want to, I want to learn from that and just be as present as possible. But Again, I just admire that in you. So thank you. Thank you, man. That makes a, that means a lot. It means a lot. That's because that's the person I strive to be. Um, yeah, is to, to be present. I'm always practicing it. And, you know, I get that inner voice. It's, you know, of course, telling me you're not present enough and you could have been more present. And then, and, you know, after a conversation, it's like, could ask more questions and, you know, but so it, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Karen, I've been talking about something recently, um, you know, and I think a lot of times, whether it's our listeners or, you know, even me, I, I look at, you know, some of my mentors and, you know, they're worth 200 or they got a billion dollars or whatever their number is. And they got this huge organization or whatever it is that you're looking up to and admiring. A lot of times I look at that and I'm like, you know, they just, it seems like they don't have any problems or they don't have any challenges or issues. <laughs> and the thing that I've realized is like, everybody, everybody has problems, challenges, I think actually sometimes the problems and challenges get bigger as your organizations grow or your, you know, network grows or whatever it is. And one thing that Karen and I've been talking about a lot recently is just um, disconnecting from the outcome. And when you were talking about, you know, the developer and the money, there's a lot of, I've been trying to balance this in my head. So there's things that I can control. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of things that I can't control. Yeah. And, you know, I've been trying to learn to just be disconnected from the outcome when I can't control it. Even if it's a situation that I've gotten myself into, you know, somebody could look at that and say, well, you know, Rich, you got yourself into that situation, which is true. But the reality yeah. is 
Um, I, there's a lot of situations, whether I got myself into it or not, disconnecting from the outcome when I can't control it. How do you, how is it just, I mean, is it flexing that muscle or how do you go through that process to be disconnected from outcomes that you can't control? Oh, I think it's, it's a constant study. So I love stoicism. So I'm constantly studying that. I think there's so much wisdom in that, you know, 2000 year old wisdom. Um, and just, you know, and, and Victor Frankl, uh, who is a concentration camp inmate for so many years, wrote a, a man's search for meaning. Uh, he said something and he studied stoicism and that led to him developing logotherapy. And he said something, or I don't know if I can, I'll just kind of par paraphrase it, but it was something about between stimulus and response, there's a pause. Mm. And in that pause is our ability to choose our response. And in that choice is our power and our freedom. And so, and I think that's huge. It's like that you get stimulated and then it's like, how do I want to respond to this? You can get angry, you can get pissed, you can get hateful, you can be revengeful uh, or, or it can be the littlest thing, you know? So it's like, now I look at that and say, okay, I can control how I respond to this. I have this pause, I have this moment. And so that's what I've practiced. It's, it's deep breathing. It's and the, the science behind that, that deep breathing that stimulates that, that vagus nerve down near our diaphragm, it goes up and, and it affects our prefrontal cortex, which creates heart rate variability. And it's, it has us feel more confident and has us feel more calm. So, I mean, I, th I think that's it. It's like, I do a physical thing. I'm very physical, obviously. So I do a physical thing when I notice anything, like if I'm clenching my jaw, if I'm pissed at someone, uh, if I'm feeling that I remember to just pause, don't respond right away. Take a couple deep breaths into my belly and then I choose my response. So, and that's, that's just kind of like the stoic way. <laughs> You know, it's interesting as you're talking through this, because I, I work with a coach, his name's Dr. John, and I've been working with him for probably a year and a half. It was supposed to be a six month thing. And I'm just, I'm a slow learner. So I just, I just keep going with him. But, <laughs> nice. um, you know, he's taught me a lot about that slowing down. And I think it's different for everybody. But as you're saying that too, I think so many times people think that some of this, some of the stuff that Dr. John teaches me, I'm like, whoa, this is kind of, this is kind of, but even just stopping and connecting, you know, Dr. John talks a lot about our conscious mind our subconscious mind and higher self, you know, just slowing subconscious Huge. knows what to do. Right. And as you were saying that, like, I think so many people disconnect when we, when we get outside of the practical outside of the conscious brain. And I was thinking about it. I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that a Navy seal has the ability to slow down, lower their heart rate, you know, lower their breath, you talk, you listen to that. I've listened to several of them talk about this and, you know, even just the awareness, like it's almost like everything slows down because they're in that zone of training and nobody would argue with that. Yeah. But then when we think about, like you were talking about heightened state and taking a couple of deep breaths and reconnecting, Dr. John, uh, you know, taught me some anchors. One of my anchors is, you know, if I, uh, if I'm stressed and overwhelmed, just touching my knuckle and it's not that the knuckle does anything special for me. It's me just, you know, disconnecting for a few minutes and, uh, um, it's a trigger. Yeah. It's totally a trigger yeah, and positive trigger. Yeah. You know, we mm -hmm. have a mutual friend, Tyler Gunter, and, and he used to do, I'd watch him and I'd started to notice that he had this little finger cross thing and it was a trigger for him. He, it was a, it was something to remind him to do. Oh, that's something. cool. Nice. But I love when people, my whole point in all of that is like, I think sometimes people think that it's weird yet. You, you come on over to the, you know, the Navy SEAL thing and nobody would argue with that. 
but they don't think it's for them. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, because one's more like, like you said, kind of woo woo. We can be seen woo woo, but that's why I love the science behind it. You know, it's like, what does that breathing do, and what does touching your knuckle do? And and you're it's basically you're laying down a new neural pathway, and that neural pathway gets stronger and stronger over time. You're laying down myelin from neuron to neuron, and it gets thicker and thicker. And it's like, and all of a sudden, it becomes something that works for you. And I think I think the practice, the most important practice for me, is doing things that has me be more present and in the moment. Because it's so easy, you know, especially with that, you know, hyperkinetic mind or the ADHD mind, my brain's bouncing all over the place all the time. So I've just really had to learn how to self-medicate with adrenaline <laughs> in these adventure sports. So be hanging on the side of a cliff and knowing I have a 30 foot fall on a rope, you know, but still it's a big fall. Um, it has, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about the bills or anything you're stressing about. And so it can go from the adventure sports to, to help that present moment awareness and practice it uh, to morning meditation. It's the same thing. just quieting the brain and getting really centered on just even just focusing on the breath going in and out of my nose. Um, it really trains the brain. And they've shown that scientifically that the brain does develop to be more present moment awareness, um, present moment aware. So you can catch yourself in that moment and not just react. You can respond. I love it. For me, um, I, I'm a pilot and you know, the minute, the minute that you get in front of that plane and you start doing your walk around, you start getting present. It's yeah. almost like the beginning of meditation where you're breathing and you're kind of working through it. But the yes. minute I get inside that plane and shut those doors, it's like the whole world goes silent. And, mm. you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because, um, I haven't been flying for a while and, I think it's important that we have that in our lives and, and something, figuring out, yeah. yeah, figuring out what is that. Yeah. Super good. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Oh, I would say, um, when we get better, everything around us gets better. Mm. And that's, you know, I, I've said that in front of the room in my speeches for uh, 25 years now. Uh, and it's all, it's all about that, that, um, so often we look at, uh, if this could just be better, if this would be better, or if this person would perform or this person would show up or whatever, or the market was like this, it's like all those things you, like you were saying earlier, we, we don't have control over a lot of that stuff. Um, most of that stuff. So we do have control over us, becoming better versions of ourselves. And, you know, you hear that a lot now and becoming a better version of yourself. And I was thinking about that on a, on a mountain bike ride last week. And I was like, you know, it's like, you hear this, you become a better version of yourself. And I was like, what version am I? I'm like, Oh, I'm 58.4 version 58.4. So it's like, oh, what, what's version 58.5 and what's version 60.0 going to look like for me. So it's like, that, that's what I look at now. It's like, if I can keep getting a little better in all these different areas of my life, uh, and then I've seen that each time I get better, my whole life gets better. I can focus on one area, one goal. And by developing that and keeping the discipline and staying on track, um, it shows up in areas, other areas of my life too. I love it. You know, I'm super curious. Um, so the ADHD thing and, you know, growing up and not being able to focus in your brain, I mean... I, I think I have that same problem, although I was never diagnosed with it. My brother was, um, but I was the one that was actually stealing his Ritalin and crushing it and smoking <laughs> it with my friends. Like it was the great, just silly. But, um, you know, I, I'm curious to like when I hear that and then I think forward and realize that, you know, you're 
you're the process person. Um, and that's kind of interesting to me because there's so many people that were not good students. They have a version of ADHD, whether it's diagnosed or undiagnosed or, you know, mm. or it's just, I, I don't think, I don't know necessarily if one's higher, but when I hear that, and I also hear you say that you're, you know, the process person and running everything, you know, behind the scenes, is that a learned trait or are you literally just like partially visionary it's, and then leveraging that? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was going to be a commercial artist. That was my whole thing. I'm very, I love to sculpt. I love to create. I love, you know, I, so I love design and all that stuff. So there is a very artistic creative side of me. Um, so when it came up in a coaching session with my coach, I'm like, I just had a realization. I solved my ADD with my OCD because <laughs> I definitely have this part of me that's it's like it has to be OCD. I have to have a very neat um, workspace. Um, I have to have all my pens in the same directions. It's kind of it's not kind of it is OCD. Yeah. I like to, you know, things have to be straight and all that stuff. So there's this. And that's why I said the bodybuilding was so huge for me, because it really taught me to start to put structures in place mm -hmm. and came, come up with things that helped me focus and would keep me out of overwhelm. So I think that's why I got so into creating, you know, learning about getting things done and how do you set goals effectively? And, you know, back in the day when I learned the whole, just, you know, how to set a smart goal, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. I have a, a just a simple structure that I can go through. And then I just, you know, grew off of that. And so I think that's, that's where the systems and processes comes from. You know, it's, it's such an interesting challenge that we deal with as a society because, you know, I, I've had this conversation with Kara, but even going through school, you got left brain, right brain, right? Like I was never, I loved art, but I wasn't like, you know, a painter and a drawer. And so I, in my mind, like, but I also wasn't a great student. I wasn't really smart. And, you know, when they're talking about left brain, right brain, I used to try to figure out like, what am I? Mm. And what I came to realize is that I'm very creative. I'm very, um, I am a, I am an artist. It's yes. just not painting, right? It's hundred percent. You're a creator. Yeah, I am. I'm a creator. And, but you know, the schooling system doesn't really, it identifies us as either smart, like book smart or art, right? Like it's just one of these two things. And maybe mm. that's just the way that I interpreted it. But when I first started, you know, um, when I was younger, like in my early twenties and we start, you know, running businesses and all this stuff, I'm like, I am very creative. And I really started to understand nice. that. You know, I don't have to be an A student. I was definitely not an A student. Um, I'm surprised I graduated. I was, I was so creative and had so much intuition that I passed without even half of the time going to school or, or even reading the book or doing the homework. So I wasn't, I always felt kind of in this middle land too, where I wasn't a smart student, but I also wasn't creative. And until I got older and learned to apply that, you know, to business and to investing and to other forms of creation, I didn't really understand it. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I think at school you get you use that creativity to be like, how can I pass this class <laughs> with, with the least studying or whatever? You know, it's be how can I be the most effective? So you get creative that way. Yeah. So yeah. So you carry that forward. I love it. It's interesting too, just hearing you know the the bullying and um, not being a great student because of that, and just how you've kind of pulled that all together. And I think there's so many people. I think we're more aware of it today too. You're hearing more people talk about it than ever. But I think the schooling system has really done a poor job of, of helping us navigate life and really get into the things that matter, like you're talking about, even the scientific side of it. Yeah, especially when we were younger. And now it's like, you know, now the bullying is much more aware and there's 
you know, classes on it and talks on it and people coming into schools and speaking about it. So not, yeah, no, not when I was a kid, it was like, just kids would say you're a retard, you know, <laughs> that's what, that's what I was being called. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, yeah. we, we obviously went into the, the human side of rich. Cause I, again, I'm just so inspired <laughs> by what you do, but also like, let's go into the business side of things a little bit, because, um, you know, even just thinking backwards with you inspired me to join strategic coach and, and awesome. I don't know if you remember that, but that's like one of the main reasons why we did. And, you know, even today, a lot of the conversations that I have and a lot of the framework, um, even just in the last few years has been, sh I've, I've always thought about the concept of who, not how that Dan Sullivan talks about all the time, but I didn't mm -hmm. know it through that framework. And I think one of the things that has really made me successful, there's only a few things that I'm actually really good at. And I think I've done a great job of leveraging other people's, you know, talents and, and teaming up with people and that kind of stuff. But, um, you're, you're a pretty amazing, uh, business owner, entrepreneur, you've got a great business mind. And I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. So back in the day when you were coaching and building this business and everything else, kind of give, uh, unpack that for me. Where did, where did this all come from? Well, I started a health club uh, when I was 23 and back in Boston, that's where I grew up and uh, had two partners and we grew this health club and it would just, I fell in love with business. Then I was going to be a chiropractor and I was in school for to be a chiropractor. And then I was like, we, we launched this gym and it was just so cool running a team and leveraging it. And then I started to realize what it's like to leverage my time to hire people who can do things who are better than I am at certain areas or to do the things that I don't want to do that are not my unique ability. So I think it carried over from there, then moved out to California. And I um, started, I was going to do a chain of one-on-one uh, -on -one fitness training centers. So I started to do that. And that led to, I had hired some trainers and I was working with a lot of clients, but just to focus on only the physical. I wanted to go beyond that. I was really into personal development. Kathy and I met at a personal development workshop in California. And, uh, and so then I heard about coaching and that's when coaching was new. And it was just something about helping people grow, helping people get better. Uh, I was so into that, that um, in the, but what I learned from that is I went down another path instead of building a team. I was a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. I know I was a coach. I was building my brand. Like I said, I was speaking, uh, writing book, you know, doing audio programs. And it started to feel like, um, lonely, I guess it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was all on my shoulders and I didn't have a team and I really missed that. And so uh, when we created real wealth, um, you know, it was out of Kathy's desperation of finding a way to make ends meet when we were investing, that's when we started to have people, um, from her, her radio show saying, you know, how are you doing this? How are you helping people invest and our friends and family? That's when we decided to to create real wealth and help other people do the same. We thought it was going to be like a hundred or 200 people, you know, that we're going to be, have this little real estate investing club, you know, and now it's 64,000 members. It's insane. So it's, I'm really grateful for it. Um, but you know, it was just, you know, in the beginning it was just Kathy and me, and then we hired one person, then we hired another, and then we got our team up to 27 people. And that's when I felt the most joy. I'm like, I feel like I'm back at, back in owning my health club. I get a team of people 
and we have an awesome culture and and we have people who are incredible at their chosen activities and strengths and i get to just focus on leadership kathy gets to focus on doing what she does best which is being that visionary and being the connector she's amazing at meeting people and creating connections and she's also amazing as you know at like market research and knowing what's happening with the the economy and market timing so I think that's what led to to real wealth and just constantly looking at that business on how can we have a super solid team and how can we better serve our members? And and then there's a the marketing piece. You know, I love that. That's the creative piece. It's like, how can we bring more good people to the network? So I get a, I'm always obsessed with the marketing piece. How can we do more outreach? How can we connect with more good people and bring them into the network? So inspiring and interesting. So curious on that that front, too, for you know, the, the small solopreneur, if you will, or even, you know, a, a W2 person that's building a, a side business or whatever. Um, how I, I talk to people so often that are like, you know, it makes sense that we obviously need to leverage other people's time and, you know, hire people, outsource things, but that's just that no man's land where you're like, you're trying to do everything yourself. You're overloaded. Um, you know, and I said this already in this show and I always say it, there's just really one or two or three things that I'm really, really good at. And mm. I try to stay out of the lane with everything else, but what's your advice to, you know, the solopreneur or an entrepreneur that has the small business that's getting going and, and they're, they're juggling. Yes. I need to grow. Yes. I know I need to invest, but they're scared to spend that money. They're scared to let go. Um, how, how do you, how do you kind of, and maybe it's been so long that you don't even remember, but that's the true battle. It is. And I mean, if, if you think about the wise investor story, right, uh, his wife, Carissa, mm -hmm. is going through the same type of challenge. She's trying to do it all on her own. And, you know, she's kind of running her business out of her garage. And and then she starts to get advice actually from the mentor's wife uh, when they partner up. And she she learns about that because that is the challenge for so many people. So, no, I don't forget it at all. I think it's uh, it's having the courage to hire that first person. And the way I think the best way to do that is to really think about what you just said. It's like, what are those few, few things that I'm really good at that I love to do that I am obsessed with? I love to study. I love to grow and get better in it. And then I, that you get lost in. Mm -hmm. So it's like, keep doing those things. And that that's your unique ability. And then it's like, so what are those things almost doing like an activity inventory? What are all those things that you're doing on a regular basis? And then looking at kind of going down that and saying, I love doing this, this, and this, I'm really good at this, this, and this. And these are the things that I'm not good at, or I hate doing. And that would be your first hire. And so sometimes it's, uh, for me, it was a bookkeeper for some people. It's a, it's a, an assistant, just someone who's kind of like can pick up the ball and do all scheduling and, you know, handle email and all that stuff. So I think it's, that's, that would be the exercise. And that's what I'd recommend to that person is just to really do that activity inventory and just look at what is it that you love doing and where do you see yourself a year from now doing the same thing and doing all these things that you don't like doing or who's that first person you need to hire. Yeah. And that's such a powerful exercise too, because if you go through that process, not only are you figuring out, you know, what, what they need to do, it's basically helping you build a job description, right? Cause I've seen, and I've mm. done this so many times too, I'm definitely guilty of it, but you hire somebody because I literally, this is horrible the way I used to call this, but when our first business was scaling, like we were growing so fast, I, I called it like we were just stacking bodies and that sounds horrible, <laughs> but we were growing so fast that I just, yeah. I was such a young, you know, I, I didn't really know. And, and that man, that's chaos. 
And the problem with that is we're setting our employees up for failure. You know, yes. whether it's the first hire or the 10th hire or the 100th hire, it doesn't really matter. And going through that process that you're talking about is important because if we get really clear on, you know, not only what we're no longer going to do, but what they're going to be doing, that sets us up for success. But I think a lot of people don't factor in too, like if I can free up 10 or 20 hours of my time, how much more productive do I become that helps pay for that too, right? Because it's always like, how am I going to pay for this Huge. person? And the reality is that person, and I, I love I love how you wrote in the story um, as she's scaling her business, that person is not only going to probably increase the business alone, what are you going to go out and accomplish because you're getting freed up and in your zone of genius or, right. or unique ability as, as strategic coach says, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then Kathy and I did uh, a program years ago called the Elite Forum and Elite Entrepreneurs through our CRM, Infusionsoft. It was uh, put on by the, the CEO of that company, which is a big company at 500 employees. And the exercise they gave us was profound. And it is to create an organizational chart of your business in three years. Mm. And so you really think about what's, what's our purpose as a business? What's our mission? And where do we want to be in three years? What's our revenue look like? What's our profit look like? And what are, how are we serving people? And then you come from there and you say, okay, so if this is the business, is this what it looks like in three years? What's the org chart look like? Mm. And in the beginning, that org chart is it's got all your faces in it, you know, it had Kathy's face, my face, Kathy's face, my face. And then, you know, we had, had one, you know, a couple of hires at the time we put them in, but then it's looking at, okay. So looking at this organizational chart, what's the next hire going to hire going to be? And you're looking at that org chart and you say, okay, this person's the next hire. And you write it right in that little box mm. and you say, hire, you know, Q3 2022 or whatever it is. And, and you lay it all out that way. Now it's just, it was, really powerful for us as a business. And it was a game changer for us. It's like, after we did that and we started to focus that way, all of a sudden the next year, that's when we hit Inc. 5,000 and next year after that, and the next year after that, that's when we got the real accelerated growth. You know, I love the principle there. Just uh, that's one of the things that Andrew and I loved about strategic coach, because it forced us once a quarter um, to get out of our you know, routine and the, the weeds of the business and go spend two days in a, in a conference room or, you know, um, getting inspired, but then we would also stay a little longer and spend some time strategizing. And so I think, I think that's another valid um, thing that you bring up there is really just, you know, when you look backwards, it's easy to connect the dots backwards, but the fact that you were in this room and learning and you're constantly doing that, it gives us time to get out of our business. And it's really, really hard to see what you need to really work on when you're in the weeds and you're getting your butt clobbered left and right on a daily <laughs> basis. And you're not taking that time to really look at working on the business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why I call it the book, the wise investor, because it's about investing in more than just money is mm -hmm. in, or investing in just in like assets. It's investing in yourself. It's investing in your life. It's investing in your business. And yeah, I mean, I've, can you imagine how much you've invested in yourself and in your business just to learn and to grow and in the, everything from masterminds to workshops, to programs, to coaching, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, if, if not more. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot in the last, I don't know, let's just call it year as real estate investors, you know, it's really, it's really easy for us to look at an investment and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars into this. I'm gonna put a hundred grand down on this house and, and it's going to bring me 10 or 15 or $20,000 return every year, whatever the number is. And so that's a 10%, 15%, 20%. Yeah. 
we'll do that all day long. But when we look at investing in our business, specifically investing in humans, we have like this, we have this block where it's like, I've talked to so many people that are like, I can't, I can't afford to hire this person. And it's really like, you can't afford not to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. $25 an hour or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. Or even less. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's the ROI on that? Yeah. It's huge. Well, Mm -hmm. and really, I think entrepreneurs don't think about this, but to your point, if, if I hired somebody and I'm just going to use the hundred thousand again, if I had to hire a hundred thousand dollar position and you know, they're going to be making me X amount of dollars and it takes them six months to start ramping up. I don't need a hundred thousand dollars. I need whatever the number is to cover my deficit and loss for, you know, the first three months, six months, whatever it is. And then when Mm, you, when you really start mapping that out, like you can't afford not to invest in people. Once you go through the process that, um, you were talking about, like, okay, what are they going to do? What's it going to take off of me? What's the ROI and really just have a, a roadmap built around your business. I love the way you put that. So it's genius. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks man. Well, let's, um, what are you excited about right now? Oh man, <laughs> that's a great question. I love that one. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about this book launch. It was, you know, 20 years in the making, but, you know, t- basically two years of writing and crafting. And then, um, you know, all the beta readers that I put it out to, including you and, you know, your feedback was just invaluable and uplifting. So right now I'm really excited about this book and the feedback that it's on the bestseller list. It just blows my mind already um, that just just only the ebook out so far. So I'm stoked about that. I'm stoked about doing these interviews to help get the word out. Um, really that. And then I, I would say, and you know, personally, um, I'm really stoked about our grandson. We got a two-year-old grandson and that's just a whole, it's just a whole new blessing of life. So I was with him last night playing on the beach and running, chasing waves and all that stuff. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. And, and next grandchildren. That's super cool. And And again, that's one of the things that I've just really appreciated about you and Kathy, just the, you know, the way that you keep your, your family unit and success and business and, and just keep your life in, yeah, it just feels like harmony. And I know you're probably like, (laughs) it's probably messy on the inside, but everybody's is. And I just feel like you guys are, you have a very, um, it's very exhilarating to watch. So I appreciate mm, it. Thank you. That's, I mean, that's like, you know, in, in remember in the story when uh, the mentor is going over that, that life wheel mm. with Ryan and he just talks about, you know, life is not balanced. You know, we're always balancing. We're making these little corrections and big corrections. We're always moving around. And that's, I do that on a regular basis. Like every quarter I fill out a new life wheel with these 10 major areas of my life. And I rate my satisfaction level. Is it, you know, from zero to 10, and my goal this year, um, my, my big intentions for this year is to have all areas of my life wheel at a nine or higher. Um, so I'm getting close. Wow. Health and fitness is um, right now the one that's not at a nine. It's at about an eight. So that's wow. uh, got to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Like that, that's, that's pretty high rankings across the board for 10 areas. I, I had yeah, I'm super grateful. Really grateful. Yeah. Well, I can't say enough about the book, as I've already said. So where, where do people find out about uh, the Real Wealth Network, the book? What, give, us, give us the insights. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, if you want to learn more about the book, you can go to uh, thewiseinvestorbook.com. And that just has information about it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you mentioned that Robert Kiyosaki wrote the forward for it, which is really awesome. Stoked on that. And uh, so you can uh, you can go to uh, Amazon if you want to look up the book. You can read the first couple chapters on Amazon, which is really neat if you want to get a better feel of, of this, the story. 
And then for me, just uh, our company is real wealth dot com. Pretty simple. I remember. And then, uh, you know, we help people get into investment properties around the country. That's our focus. That's so cool. And, and again, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about, you know, the, the book itself. It, it really, it opened my eyes to, to a lot. And I think it's going to really, I think it's going to hit home for a lot of people, the way that, um, you just expressed, um, the characters in it and the way they got out of what they were trying to get out of. It's, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. book. So well done. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, any, any, any final last words in closing? Oh, no. Thanks for being here, man. It's just like, thanks for having me. It's, I was really looking forward to this. I, I was mentioned that earlier, just like, yeah, I just love connecting you. We have great conversations. So I knew this was be a, this be just as fun. Cool. So thank well, you. Yeah. I appreciate your time and, and being on. So I think it'll be a treat. All right, man. All we'll right. see you soon. See ya. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.